The suspense is terrible. I hope it will last. Watch and Wonders back. Today we've got Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm your host, Josh Madden, and we're back with my good friend, Taylor O'Neill. There's not much else to say about today's episode, except for the fact that it was a lot of fun. I hope that you enjoy it. It's a little bit different than what we've been doing recently. We've had a few serious episodes to start us out here, but but this is a classic, so I hope you enjoy. All right, my first question. What's your favorite candy? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this just the other day because I was having a conversation with my kids about what our favorite candies are. And I, I think my Elizabeth, my wife, was giving me such crap about this, but um, I think my favorite candy are nerds. I don't really care for chocolate. I don't care for, you know, like I like the really little like like the kid act like kid candy like gummies uh-huh. nerds anything that's just like super sweet and fruity like that uh-huh. so i think nerds yeah nerds are my favorite okay that's so funny i was thinking that when the the opening scene where they're in the little candy shop which is like more is more fun than i remembered it the thing that yeah. i got ex- most excited about was the rolls of the dots on the wall <laughs> like the tiny little just drops yeah. of what it like Whatever it is, I guess it's sugar and food dye on the yeah. like toilet paper like type. <laughs> <laughs> those are always those are so fun because you'd also have to eat just as much paper as yeah. That's what candy I was thinking, right? Yeah, just always eating the paper. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really fun. What is so your favorite I, candy? I don't really like a lot of candy, a lot of like hard candy. Like I like chocolate the most probably, but only yeah. like the like bitter dark chocolate. Um, I'm not, I'm not too much of a candy person though. I was thinking as a child, my favorite candy was, I think they were called warheads. Those super sour, like burn a hole in your tongue, (laughs) probably outlawed and made illegal at this point, whatever was in them. Um, I remember trying to get those all the time, but I don't remember the last time I had any of that, but yeah, those were yeah, those were like for uh, like a upper elementary school, middle school age boy. Those were like felt uh-huh. dangerous, so they yeah. felt really fun. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But dark chocolate. So basically, you are actually an adult. I guess if that's your favorite candy. <laughs> Although I, I don't know. I think that I've liked that for probably as long as I can remember. Because oh. milk, cho- milk chocolate always just seems to like creamy or sticky i don't know what yeah. it is <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure it's yeah. just like it feels like i'm eating dairy if i'm eating milk chocolate <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which where but if i'm eating dark chocolate it kind of feels it feels just more yeah yeah i guess it feels better i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah all right so you have to you have to tell me why why is this one of your favorite movies <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago, I don't even remember what the context was, hearing you say that, and it was really, I was like, wait, what did you just say? Willy Wonka is like, <laughs> like top five like yeah. favorite movies. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, well, I'm sure some of it is nostalgia from watching it as a kid 
Hmm. Um, I think my my dad liked the movie, and so he made sure that we watched it a number of times. But I've watched it sort of fairly consistently as I grew up and then as an adult numerous times. And I think there's two things that I really like about it. Um, I guess the first thing is that for a kid's movie, it's a lot of kids' movies have a kind of moralizing element to it, but this one has a almost a kind of uh it's almost like a kid's version of like Dante, uh-huh. <laughs> especially the Inferno, <laughs> because all these kids are brats and they're terrible, and the particular vices that each kid has, and it's kind of fun to go through the movie and and try and come up with like who represents which vice, like Augustus mm-hmm. Gloop clearly is gluttony but then it's not as clear with some of the others but they all sort of get exactly what's coming to them just by virtue of their vice so it's not like Willy Wonka punishes them really but they through enacting their own vice reap the, their own punishments on themselves <laughs> so I really like that and then I think the second thing is that it's just it's just so it's kind of weird. I mean, there's something whimsical to it, but it's really mm-hmm. odd. And I just think that's a great combination, especially for a kid's movie. And there's there's singing. It's a musical. I'm really not a fan of musicals at all. Um, I, I kind of hate yeah. musicals. <laughs> We've but this had is that like, conversation too. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is like the one musical that I like because it, it uh-huh. seems like it works. It's it's just a weird enough movie that just breaking out into song in the middle of having a conversation actually seems sensical to me instead of just uh-huh. stupid and absurd. So that's <laughs> that's part of my apologia for for Willy Wonka. Uh huh. Yeah. No, that's really fascinating. There's. I was. I was watching this and I was thinking about how the seventies and the eighties are like totally wild for children's movies. Some of the scariest things I can remember are children's <laughs> movies from my childhood where they're supposed to be for kids, but you, you sort of rewatch they or they burn themselves sort of indelibly into your imagination and you go back and you watch them as an adult and they're they're either very strange or just genuinely actually scary. <laughs> um, like I, I always joke about Return to Oz as being mm-hmm. one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen in my life. And I remember watching and um when was the last time you watched Willow? Do you remember that? Oh, I do remember it, but it's been a long time. Sorry, I've I got remember turning that movie my window. I remember turning that movie off because <laughs> yeah. I was so scared. I mean, Black Cauldron, Gremlins, even the Brave Little Toaster. Um, you know, <laughs> Like even recently with the kids, they're like, oh, what's what is that? What's the toaster movie? You know, just sort of, you know, flicking through on the streaming. I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I'm going <laughs> yeah, right, to have to go right. back because I just remember <laughs> like the the vacuum cleaner and the, the air conditioning unit. And it's just being really, really terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so this movie isn't that, though. They have the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the tunnel to hell scene, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, we which can, is which just we can, a, it's such a great scene, man. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, this is really interesting. And so what you said, I was trying to figure out because there's, you know, a number of different, I guess you could call them fan theories or something. And the idea that it's kind of a retelling of, of Dante, I was trying yeah. to figure out, and I suppose it depends what you think, how much you trust Willy Wonka. 
<laughs> yeah. Which I'm still not sure about. So I couldn't tell if it was more Inferno or more Purgatorio mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if the kids actually survive or not. <laughs> so I would assume yeah. Yeah. if this, I would assume if they survive and Wonk is telling the truth about how, oh no, they'll be fine. Hopefully they'll just be wiser after this. Then it would be sort of a genuine purgatorial experience where they've been sort of purged and sort of yeah. been taught something and and hopefully come out the other side alive. Right? But if Willy Wonka's like a secret serial murderer and they actually just end up <laughs> dead, then that's definitely hell, right? Yeah, right. And, right you know, Charlie right. just sort of escapes um, almost by yeah. accident, as it were. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got to be. I think it's a. It's purgatorial. I've got a, you know, I think Willy Wonka see, clearly seems to be telling the truth. I think that the writers with the movie had to make sure that it was clear <laughs> that he said that they'll all be fine so that the kids can get too, too scared. Um, mm. Except for, um, which one is it? Oh, uh, I think it's Veruca Salt, the one who falls down the egg, the egg detector. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, he does say that she's headed towards the incinerator, but it's only on what every other day or something. So we're not, it's not clear what happens with her. But you don't even know if he's telling the truth. I feel like after, I know, I know. After that's, the beginning. That's, that's part of the, yeah. Well, that's part of the greatness of this, this movie, I think, is that uh-huh. he makes this, Gene Wilder did this character that you, you don't know whether to trust a single thing that he says. On the one hand, he seems, whimsical and like every like the central character in every great children's story he's charismatic and you're just enthralled with him and he seems so good but then on the other hand there's this sort of dark edge to it where you're not 100 sure whether to trust him mm-hmm. um and i read that um i remember reading this years back that gene wilder came up with the idea to walk out limping and then to do the mm. role and the the writers and the director hadn't decided to do that gene wilder came up with the idea and then they asked him years later why he wanted to do that and he said precisely what you just said that from the very get-go your um experience with willy wonka is not knowing whether you can trust him or not mm-hmm. yeah he seemed like he seems like loki He's like, he's the God of mischief <laughs> where yeah. I can't tell you, but he's the heat. I mean, he plays it really well. Like he said, it's this perfect mm-hmm. mixture of sincerity, but mischief, right? One of my, I think one of my favorite things about him through all the different rooms and every time someone falls into something and the parent starts <laughs> to freak out, he's just sort of sitting back and saying, Oh no, please somebody help. Oh, <laughs> and just sits there and watches which is what you're saying at the beginning, right? He's not actively sort of, you know, he's not the one pushing him into the river and he's not the one actively causing them all of this right. potential right. harm. Fact, yeah. If they would listen to him, none of them would get hurt. Yeah, you're right. He tells every single one of them, don't do this. Don't fall in there. Right. And he attempts that. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as he, as soon as he says something, then he just sort of sits back and, and lets it happen. <laughs> Which is just really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he Wonka's a bit of an enigma. But I have to say, Charlie's probably 
the most well-adjusted fatherless 10-year-old to ever live in poverty with four grandparents in bed. Like the kid is <laughs> unfazed throughout. He's just, just sort of, you know, yeah, wandering through right. life and, you know, I'll deliver my papers and it's payday, please. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here you go, grandpa, buy yourself some tobacco. It's totally fine that we yeah, have nothing. Yeah. We're drinking cabbage water. Um, <laughs> cabbage water. Yeah. That is a hard thing watching back as an adult is as a kid, I remember loving the grandpa too, but then you watch back as an adult and you're like, this, this guy's terrible. <laughs> He's <laughs> not to, yeah so yeah of course he's taking some of their money for his tobacco he hasn't been able to get out of bed for however long it's been 20 years uh-huh. once he wins a trip that he can go on with the kid then then he can get out of bed and he's fine you know meanwhile everyone <laughs> yeah. is in destitution yeah are they supposed to have like polio or something like what's <laughs> I don't know. Are they just are they just old? I, I couldn't tell. I wasn't really They're sure. They're just old and okay. they have one bed apparently. So they all uh-huh. have to be in the same bed together. Yeah. Okay, that's that's that that's that sort of reminds me of another question. Where do they live? Like what country yeah. is this happening in? Like part of me thinks it's supposed yeah, to be England because of everyone's accent. Mm-hmm. But then all the exterior shots and like the overhead I was going to say drone shots, but I guess that wasn't from a plane. It all looks like it's all <laughs> yeah. like some sort of beautiful Austrian village or something with the yeah. little town yeah. and the, the terracotta roofs and, and everything. So I, I don't know if it's just supposed to be sort of a, you know, nameless European village or town yeah. on purpose. Um, I was yeah, trying to figure that, that out the whole time. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is supposed to be just a sort of nameless European village because, uh-huh. yeah, it seems it feels English throughout a lot of it, which makes sense because, um, well, do all the characters have a British accent? No, no, really, very few I, do. Yeah, Augustus is from Germany, right? And then you remember in in one of the um. In the beginning, the first half of the film, which I didn't remember, it's it's really interesting that you don't get to the chocolate factory until almost halfway through the whole movie, where it's this really long mm-hmm, setup mm-hmm. that I didn't remember. And one of the funniest things that I think the movie does, and again, I haven't read the books, so I don't know if it's yeah. a totally different story or not, but this it becomes this global news event which is just really <laughs> yes. really hilarious so everyone every country has just stopped everything and they're just totally focused and one of the shots i think after they find the ford ticket they have this big map and there's two little tickets on the map over here in sort of generic europe somewhere and then two over in america somewhere um so i mean at least two of them have to be from europe and i imagine that charlie is supposed to be english or some sort of european country yeah Yeah, i think you're right i think it is just be just some any old place in europe because Mm -hmm. um yeah but i do think those shots at the end are from somewhere in austria or germany yeah Um, that's what it looks like yeah you're right it's interesting because most people don't have a british accent in it the teacher does the teacher has a thick (laughs) british uh accent but Uh yeah otherwise charlie and Grandpa Joe just have American accents. So does Gene Wilder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The scenes where the there's like news stories about the tickets, people finding the tickets, people searching for the tickets, I think is one of the best parts of the movie. It's just a series of sort of um, short gags or skits. (laughs) 
And each uh-huh. one of them, I think, are really funny. The guy arguing with the computer, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, just little things like that, I think, are, are funny. Or the, the lady who her husband's kin, been kidnapped uh-huh. and she's not sure whether she wants to pay the ransom of her box of <laughs> Wonka bars. Oh, my gosh. Which I still would, you know, wouldn't she have opened them by that point? I guess. But <laughs> right, right. I don't know. <laughs> There's a couple of things like that that I think are just really, really funny. You're right. Um, okay. So I, I, I do, I do have like a real question finally. Um, <laughs> not that these are gag questions, but yeah, so, well, this movie doesn't lend itself to serious <laughs> conversation. <laughs> okay. So I was, I was trying, it's really trying to think of oh. some real serious questions. So if this is, if this is a question that doesn't actually make sense and you can just tell me, but I was really trying. So is char- I was and I I couldn't decide again because I think the movie like you mentioned that it does it doesn't push a particular kind of moral choice or message it's so explicit right mm-hmm. so I was trying to figure out is Charlie's desire to find this golden ticket right he's obsessed with the idea and he's like I'm definitely going to find one for sure right. And then he sort of wavers back and forth and, you know, everyone's like, no, you're going to find it. And they sort of stoke this hope in him. Right. So is that, is it more like a prosperity gospel version of like the secret where he can just will it into existence? Yeah. Or on the other hand, is it more like a sort of virtue ethics style of free will participation in the desire for the good? And I want to find a ticket. I'm going to try and find one and do my best so that I can get into, um, yeah. Purgatory at least. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I don't think that it's the first, Primarily, I, I think just because I like the movies, <laughs> so I don't I don't want to say that it's the first. It can't be the first. Yeah, but the way that the movie portrays his desire to find the golden ticket doesn't, to me, ever seem <clears throat> nefarious or self centered or um, or desiring to go because riches or fame or something follow from it. But it just seems like he has a childlike sense of wonder about Willy Wonka and about the chocolate factory. It's sort of, gar- you know, it's, it's, it's hidden in mystery. It's literally hidden behind those gates. So the interesting thing is that I guess Charlie just so happens to live in the exact same city that the chocolate factory <laughs> is in. The the movie, guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little strange. But, you know, at the beginning or towards the beginning of the movie, he's just sort of standing outside the gates looking in. He's wondering. He wants to know. Mm-hmm. He wants to experience this 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 place that is, um, you know, beyond imagination. So I think the desire is a <clears throat> is a virtuous one. Why he finds the ticket to me, I would almost say is more like um uh, it's it's he's he was fated to find it um or you know providentially he he was fated to find it because he becomes of course he's the the one kid who proves himself shows himself to be virtuous and willy wonka is the one who needs that mm-hmm. so willy wonka is the one who put out the 
golden tickets because he needs to pass the chocolate factory on to someone else. And so Charlie has to find that ticket in order for Charlie to show himself to Willy Wonka as the one who can virtuously take over the chocolate factory. Yeah, I found that really interesting. And so maybe maybe this is a good point uh, to ask about the different about all the different kids, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. I was watching and it was you know each each room is seems like it's every every place that they stop seems like it's designed, if not specifically for a specific child, at least to sort of elicit the opportunity to yeah. either indulge in the vice or sort of conquer it right yeah 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 like you mentioned the very first one he says specifically any anything in this room almost anything i think he says right almost anything Mm -hmm. you can eat right you can eat almost anything of course it's augustus who i think we both agree (laughs) is obviously a symbol of gluttony is the first to fall literally right into the the toxic river or the chocolate river. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. As they sort yeah. of joke. Um, yeah. But like you mentioned, the, the other ones, I'm not sure were, were super specific. I mean, obviously the next one, they is where he invents the gum specifically. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other, the room where Veruca falls into the egg, right? She's the bad egg who wants the golden goose. Cause she spends the entire time just, I want, I want, I want, right. So she's probably greed. And yeah. then <laughs> I find, I find Mike, the little, the TV kid, he's, <laughs> he's yeah. hilarious. He might be he my is. favorite of all of the other kids, <laughs> especially cause I, I'm sort of stepping on like favorite quotes, but when, like you were talking about mm-hmm. the little vignettes where they go and they, they find all the people who found the tickets. That was the funniest one. Cause he's just sitting there and he's watching the Western and it's almost almost off screen but some some one of the journalists off screen is trying to talk to him about what he's watching and how violent it is <laughs> the journalist goes you like the killings huh and mike goes well yeah what do you think life's all about his mom's so like proud of him too right right yeah, and then he asks about when he can get a real gun, and his dad's not till you're twelve. Not till you're twelve. Like yep. And then his mom's like, "He's never." I'm so proud of him. He's never been to the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, that my TV. Yeah, seems like in particular a kind of caricature of like American culture. Yep. Like he's wearing his cowboy hat, oh watching gosh. his westerns. All he cares about is getting a gun. Yeah, he's he's never not eaten a TV dinner. yeah right (laughs) oh my goodness um yeah it's hard to tell with i think you're right the veruca is clearly she has she embodies greed the other two are a little bit more difficult i mean maybe mike tv embodies sloth or something because he you know the way that he falls is that he wants to be sent over the tv and there just seems to be an element of him wanting everything to come sort of easily to him through the television but it could be you know an escape from reality or whatever i'm not sure that it's supposed to be completely clear Mm -hmm. um 
with some of the characters. But it's really interesting what you just said about the the fact that each of the rooms that they fall or that they're tested in almost appears to be a test. So it almost appears to be set up in such a way that it would entice just one of those kids. I'd never thought of it that way. I'd always just thought they're going through this chocolate factory and inevitably each one of them finds something that they end up, you know, wanting and they break a rule to get it. Um, but that's a much darker <laughs> interpretation that you've just laid well, out. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it as I was watching it through this latest time. But then at the very end, when mm-hmm. Charlie gives gives the gobstopper back and you know Wonka sort of celebrates and he's basically saying, you know, you passed the test, right? Mm-hmm. It got me thinking about okay, if he he's he's just been sitting around for a mo- how however many years it is closed. <laughs> Right. And finally, this he has it's clearly the reason that he's done it is premeditated. And he he says in the beginning, when he greets all of them, they come in the first time that he's been sort of watching them, like in the news mm-hmm. and reading about them mm-hmm. in the papers and everything. It did make me wonder, like if each individual room was designed to test them. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I think I think that you're right. I think I think a lot of them sort of defy an easy sort of one-to-one, sort of, you know, allegorical Mm -hmm. match, as it were, like you you might expect with sort of a more simplistic um, version of the story. But it also made me wonder about Charlie's test. So if all of the other kids Mm -hmm. have a room or something, I wasn't sure if Charlie's test is supposed to be the gobstopper test is he going to take it and do it or if his test was was the room where he stopped he and grandpa joe stop and drink drink the soda and they float up to the ceiling but that it's their sort of ingenuity almost where they come up with a way to sort of avoid being chopped (laughs) to bits in the fan (laughs) yeah that sort of save them and allow them to come back and so i was wondering if it's more if it's does Wonka know that Charlie is the most virtuous of them all and design that room to test a grandpa Joe who's been in bed mm. for 20 years and hasn't gotten <laughs> up, right? He hasn't gotten up out of bed for 20 years. And then here's this soda that lets you fly. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't sure. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's great. I think that's, um, yeah, I, I I've never thought that before. I have wondered what is it about the these fizzy lifting drinks that's supposed to appeal to Charlie, but yeah, perhaps it maybe it just appeals to Grandpa Joe. Maybe it appeals to if any if Charlie has a fault. I mean, you could argue that perhaps perhaps he's overly um, deferential even to his family and to Grandpa Joe. I mean. I hate to call that a vice because it mostly seems to be just a way to show that Charlie is really a selfless kid. Mm-hmm. He really cares about his family. But yeah, the, the rising up after Grandpa Joe hasn't walked in a long time is super. It's a, Yeah, that's super interesting. I do think you're right that he seems to expect from the beginning that Charlie's going to win because in that 
final scene, he says something like, Charlie, you did it, my boy. I knew you would. I knew you would. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he seems to expect from the start that Charlie's going to be the one who wins. Yeah. If anything, Charlie's a bit of an enabler. But, I mean, how much of an enabler can a 10-year-old be? (laughs) Right. Right. He's going to give some of his newspaper wrap for that tobacco. I know. He's so sweet. All right. So, let's see. We went through a lot of things that I was curious about. Is the... So, he he meets... This is sort of going backwards. He's we talked about how he's in the same village and he's just sort of outside the gate wondering, and it's like at nighttime. And there's that really strange character that he meets that I think later mm-hmm. he calls a, a tinkerer or something. He's like, Oh, I met the mm-hmm, tinkerer, and mm-hmm. he was telling me about it. But I was really confused because whoever this is, they've got the little like hot dog style like push cart, and it's just covered in rusty saws and meat cleavers and it was the most bizarre moment there's just this creepy old like homeless guy with a cart full of sharp objects trying to talk to charlie about what's inside the chocolate factory and charlie's just standing there he's like yeah it's really curious that's really amazing <laughs> like, do, yeah. maybe, maybe don't talk to the creepy guy with a cart full of meat cleavers <laughs> like, what do do? right yeah, it, does, it does seem like i don't know if there's any particular meaning to that or if they are just trying to create this weird and slightly scary uh-huh. and creepy vibe <laughs> straight from the beginning of the movie yeah, I think that's all it is. Um, I think there's a lot yeah, of things like yeah. that that you could probably ask too many questions about. I mean, it's this isn't like it's it's not some inspired text that you know every single <laughs> right. thing's gonna have six layers of meaning. Some of it's just weird because it's weird. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Is it Ro, right. Roald, Roald Dahl does um, James and the Giant Peach? Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love yep. that movie. And that and the story yeah. itself, but th- that too is just sort of is just really bizarre, and sometimes it's just bizarre to be strange. Like there's no, yeah, there's no sort of deeper. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that movie does deviate from the book. I don't think I've read Charlie uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book that it was based on, but I've read with um, with Leopold, my son, a number of the other Roald Dahl books, and. Mm. And the, this movie does do a good job, I think, of sort of sticking to, I mean, all of his books kind of have this strangeness to them. They're whimsical, but they're strange. And there's always sort of moments of a little kind of darkness, whether it's James and the Giant Peach or whether it's um, like the BFG, I think is probably my favorite one. Um, but they all have these moments where they deal with like death and really vicious people and sometimes really strange or horrible ways of dying. (laughs) And, um, I don't know. I think I really like that. I think that there's a, a certain kind of culturally Catholic sensibility to that, that, um, I find refreshing in relation to, or in juxtaposition from, I don't know what I would sometimes think of as little overly, um, I don't know, maybe puritanical or overly squeaky clean, mm-hmm. overly um, allegorical uh, children's stories. So 
I think of this movie as it's not necessarily Christian, but it's certainly um, congruent with a Christian worldview. But it's also just kind of strange in a way that like Catholicism, I think, is kind of strange. Yeah, in, I totally in a good agree. way. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's, it acts as a kind of remedy to our, at least maybe not ours and you and I, but sort of the contemporary desire to both sanitize the world and at the same time make it sort of grotesque in a way that is not very obvious. With stories yeah. like this, there's real value, it seems to me, in presenting characters and narratives and events that are dangerous in a way, that are darker. And like you were saying, this kind of this kind of whimsy combined with danger seems to me, I, I don't recall how I experienced the world as a, a seven-year-old for the most part, right? But it seems to me that that's that's kind of the way that children experience the world. Every, most things are brand new. Most things are, they still are, hope, I mean, hopefully if they've, they've grown up in a good home and they haven't experienced too much tragedy, hopefully they're not disaffected and cynical and sort of doubting and everything else. And they sort of see this, they tend to see the world through eyes that are just able to both appreciate all the beautiful, wonderful things about the world and if they've got even half a brain, they're going to ask questions that you might be uncomfortable talking about. But I think that, like you're saying, you know, with with a particular Catholic sensibility, at least in our house, and I mean, I, I know you guys do the same, right? It's talking about death is not something that's taboo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah, exactly. necessary. You are. Yeah, right. It's a necessary part of the Christian life to think about death, to remind ourselves that we're going to die, to remind ourselves that <clears throat> there is evil in the world. Of course, you can do that in an age-appropriate way. So you're not going to talk about that with a 15-year-old in the way that you might speak about it with a four-year-old. But mm -hmm. I don't think that it is... Um, yeah, I don't think that it's healthy to pretend that the world or the human condition are just completely different from what they are, even with a small child. So children in an age appropriate way, none, nevertheless need to be acclimated to the truth of things, the reality of things. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that that's how many, how children in, 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 in the most healthy ways think of and, uh, 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 interpret the world is it's a wonderful place filled with all sorts of odd and strange and interesting and mysterious things and it's also a bit scary and that's that's a pretty i think that's precisely the view of reality that we all should have and that we unfortunately sometimes lose you know along the way yeah i can't remember i assume it's one of the i assume it's one of the inklings or gk chesterton or something Right. There's, I mean, maybe, maybe multiple of them said it in different ways. The idea of, you know, that the kid, kids don't need, kids don't need the fairy tales to tell them that the dragons exist. They need the fairy tales to tell them that the dragons can be defeated. Right. The kid already, yeah. you know, yeah. the, it's this, this idea that, oh, if we, you know, if we let them read the fairy tale, then they'll be thinking about these maybe scary things. And, 
when in reality, right, the kid, the kids already know that scary things exist. They're not stupid. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, like you said, you don't want to be, you know, you don't, you're not going to sit your six year old and down in front of a, a a particularly horrific movie or read them a particularly horrific story, right? You want to protect their, their imagination in that way. But at the same time, right. You know, they're aware that, you know, danger exists. They're aware that hardship exists and the fairy tale lets them know that they can, they can conquer it. They can move beyond it. It's not something to be paralyzed by. Yeah. Right. I think that's right. They're born into a fallen world. So they have a sense intuitively that the world's while wonderful can at times be dangerous or scary or painful, they fall down, they get hurt. And when you're a kid and you fall down and get hurt, it's pretty, it can be pretty traumatic, even just like a skinned knee, you know, kids (laughs) scream and cry because it's, it's traumatic for them because they don't have very much experience yet with pain. They don't know exactly how bad it could be or what might happen now that they've gotten hurt. And So, yeah, I think you, you, you want to introduce that to them in stories or reflect that back to them in stories. Again, of course, in an age appropriate way, but exactly as you're saying, good stories show how that pain that they are already aware of can be defeated, shows how that pain or something scary is, um, is not the final word on the universe, that the wonderfulness of the universe always wins out. The wonderfulness of God and God's power always wins out. And I think that that, you know, to bring it back to Willy Wonka, I think that that's shown in this movie. There's a lot of strangeness, a lot of scariness, but it also, it ends in such a wonderful, wholesome, warm way. I still, even though I've seen this movie probably 20 times or so, I still, when I watch it now, at the very end, I almost get a little choked up. It's just such a wholesome, nice ending. But it's not, it's not overly cliche or squeaky clean or something. It's just, it's just good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the ending a lot. First of all, because it's very, it's very quick. It's extremely abrupt, mm-hmm. right? It just, it almost comes out of nowhere, and then it's just over. So it kind of leaves you with that last sort of feeling. And there's also the sense in which. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm overthinking it, but <laughs> Charlie almost gets a new dad, right, in, in Wonka, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. the one family member, I mean, besides, besides being an only child, I'm going to assume, right? He's got all his grandparents, he's got his mom, he just doesn't have his dad, and then, right, they share that really, that really sweet hug at the end, mm-hmm. and then they get on the, whatever, the rock, rocket ship elevator or whatever it is yeah um, yeah, yeah the wonka and they just yeah there it is yeah and they just sort of blast <laughs> off and then it's over it's just you know cut to black um yeah yeah so i i do enjoy that as well yeah my favorite i think my favorite part in the whole movie is when charlie gives him the uh everlasting gobstopper back and says he's sorry which is what's interesting is that <clears throat> Charlie does screw up <clears throat> like all of the kids do. So it's not like Charlie just doesn't screw up. But the difference between Charlie and the other kids is that he he feels guilty about it and, and he apologizes. And Willy Wonka has that great little line, so shines a, a, a good deed in a weary world, mm-hmm. which I think is from, from Shakespeare. 
Um, there's a lot. Definitely there's from mo- somewhere. I think that there's multiple Shakespeare references by there Wonka. Are, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And things from other... He's constantly quoting... His little quotes are always fantastic, too. Uh-huh. But that, that's such a wholesome moment in the movie, such a beautiful moment that all of the strangeness and all of the darkness that's in the movie really is overcome by that one little good deed of Charlie. And he does it totally sincerely. He's, he's really sorry. He thinks he's been kicked out. He thinks that he's lost his lifetime supply of chocolate. He's not trying to get it back or anything. He just is wanting to apologize before he leaves. Mm-hmm. And as you say, immediately from that moment on, it's just victory. It's just uh, goodness, wholesomeness. Um, and that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty powerful message, even for little kids. Like this one sincere act of, um, of mournfulness for doing something wrong totally changes the tenor of the whole movie. It, 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 it makes the whole thing end on the highest of high notes. I mean, literally they're up in the clouds (laughs) as if Charlie's Uh going up to heaven or something, you know? Well, he's been launched from the peak of Mount Purgatory up, you know, (laughs) right. Exactly. Right. With his, although I said, you know, there's no, there's no Beatrice to replace Wonka's Virgil, I guess. But, um, yeah. And there's almost a sense in which it's more profound even for, cause I mean, I try supposed to be like 10 or something, right. I don't, I don't know exactly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard for me to tell how yeah. old kids are, even though I've got, you know, a, yeah. whatever volleyball teams worth of them myself. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't actually, he he gives the gobstopper back and he's right. Like you say, he's mournful. He apologizes. He says sorry because he he realizes. But he hadn't actually done it yet. He hadn't left and given it to Wonka's your arch rival. But he had. He realizes he had considered it, and it was like an option, mm. right? Yeah. So none of yeah. none of them actually yeah. get to do it. Um, yeah. But that so that was just another really interesting, really interesting I moment because the other moment where he'd messed up, right? Which is, you know, because Wonka doesn't doesn't accuse him of the gobstopper thing. He accuses right. him of drinking uh, the, the, the fizzy lifting drink. And, but Charlie had been talked into that. That was Grandpa Joe's idea. He's like, oh, come on, Charlie, what can it hurt? Let's just drink some. He's like, okay. Yeah. You know, like if my, you know, right. if I'm 10 years old and my grandpa says we should do something, I'm probably going to do it. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Especially if it looks yeah. awesome, right? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. 10 and grandpa says, let's drink this soda that will make us fly. I was like, well, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, I think. Right, right. right. So yeah. even that. No, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the fact that he took the gobstopper, <clears throat> he gave it, he gives it back, obviously. So he, you're right. He thought about keeping it and giving it. But even that just seems to be it was wrong right he shouldn't have taken it even even thought about it but even that vice seems to be a vice born out of what clearly in him is a virtue that we've seen throughout the beginning parts of the movie where he knows his family is at in destitution and he's trying to improve the lot of his family mm-hmm. that that's why he has the paper out so this gobstopper i mean that's what who knows what Slugworth said to each of the other kids because we don't really get to see it. We see him, you know, whispering to kids in the background when they win and they're on the news. But <clears throat> the particular thing that he tempts Charlie with is 
whatever the amount of money is, it's not that impressive today. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you watch it, you're like, oh, a million dollars, who cares? Or whatever it is, $10 million. Um, but he says something like enough money to take care of your family, mm-hmm. you know, for the rest of your lives. So Charlie is not perfect, but he is virtuous. I mean, he's his main character trait is that he cares more about his family than he cares about himself. Yeah, that's part of what pushes me to think that Charlie's te- Charlie's test was specifically designed for Grandpa Joe. Because if Slugworth is actually mm-hmm. sort of Wonka's, you know, right hand man, like you're saying, oh, he knows sort of the right buttons to push, right? If he knows that, oh, what the reward that you would care about would be the ability to take care of your family, then, you know, what will also be your temptation would be to sort of, like you said earlier, sort of go along with whatever your family member in this instance is attempting to do. I have to say, I... Slugworth's offer doesn't actually make any sense, right? Right. I know he's revealed to be a plant at the end, but if the whole idea is you got to get me the gobstopper so I can reverse engineer it and make it myself, <laughs> right? Shouldn't he just wait until he's selling them in stores and buy one for a dollar and just do it then? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're yeah. not being kept. I don't know. I guess maybe the. Yeah, they're not right. So I don't maybe know. if he can I get to market first or something. Yeah, right? maybe, maybe. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah. He's he's also trying to convince the kids, you know. So maybe they just think that you know these kids are too stupid to understand <laughs> that this is not. You know. <laughs> also, I mean, I I couldn't really think of a better use of the evil guy, clearly evil because of the scar on his face trope in a movie <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so it's so great it's not subtle at all it's this gigantic gash across his entire yeah. face yes um, he's these like so dark funny. glasses that kind of obscure his eyes he uh-huh. is a creepy looking dude and, he almost looks and like it um, works really well it almost looks like like the head bad nazi from the indiana jones oh yeah, uh, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. right who's got yeah, yeah. the trench coat and little bowler hat and those tiny little dark circle glasses and he's just <laughs> yes, laughing maniacally right. right as his face gets melted <laughs> off that's who it reminded yeah, me of right yeah yeah <laughs> um okay my one hot take is does charlie deserve the chocolate factory because he doesn't really seem to care about candy like at all <laughs> right he wants yeah. like he like it's like any other kid, but, but then I, was thought, I always felt really bad for him in school. And it's like, you know, let's teach percentages. And how many chocolate bars did you unwrap? 150. Okay, 150. And Charlie, a two. Oh, to 200. No, no. It was just two. It was yeah. just two. Does he yeah, find a silver he, dollar? Is that what it is? He finds a silver dollar in the, yeah, the sewer I think that's or something? What it is. Okay. Yeah, some kind of yeah, big silver coin uh-huh. in the sewer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, maybe he, maybe he's precisely the best one to run the the chocolate factory because he doesn't care about candy as much as the other, the other kids. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Seems seems clear that Willy Wonka, um, <clears throat> thinks that one of the things Charlie will be able to do is still run it in the way that Willy Wonka wa- wants it to be run, and not just do all of his own, do it his own way. Which mm-hmm. is kind of a funny, final little line in the movie um but 
Yeah, you, it's hard to imagine Augustus Gloop not just eating everything in the chocolate <laughs> factory. Yeah, or I guess, I guess Veruca is sort of the, let's turn it into a, a money machine. Because you're right. I mean, I think it is really yeah. interesting now that I think about it. Wonka does seem more interested in simply the ability to do all of the amazing things and not not super interested in the result, right? It's not yeah. like, I'm doing this because I love candy. It almost seems more like, I'm doing this because it's amazing and it's a lot of fun and it just happens to yeah. make candy after that. And I think, so, yeah, you're probably right. They they do share that sense of wonder for simply for the sake of doing something good as opposed to yeah, yeah. The, the result, right? It's about right. It's about that actual work, which is good. Yeah, yeah. All right, I have to ask. I still don't really understand the the boat scene. Am I supposed to? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think I understand it either. Um, I'm not sure there. I'm, I'm not sure that there's anything. I guess my interpretation has always just been that it's a weird scene for the sake of scaring the pants off the kids and <laughs> just just scaring them and and <clears throat> and it reveals a little bit i guess of willy wonka's character that he he has this he's i don't know how you describe it he doesn't seem to me evil but he's he's not He's not complete. He's not. Uh, I don't know. There's something to it. And maybe I'm just reading this into it, but there's something to Willy Wonka that reminds me a little bit of like in the Chronicles of Narnia when the kids say, you know, he's a great lion or whatever, but it's not a tame lion. Hmm. There's something about Willy Wonka. Now, in Willy Wonka's case, I think you're right. There's something more Loki esque about it, something more mischievous. It's not like divine, <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's got this sharpness to him. So you don't want to be completely at ease with him, even though he is good. And we see that. I think we see that, especially once you see the whole movie. But he's not cuddly. There's something uh-huh. um, dark or dangerous within him. So he's he's dangerous Tom Bombadil. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was just so yeah, like was, like a yeah, middle cat, a middle category. Yeah, a middle category between yeah, exactly. not not demonic, not divine, yeah. something in the middle, right? Almost like like a fairy. Yeah, almost. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's okay. funny that you mentioned Tom Bombadil. I was just reading, been reading Lord of the Rings with my two, uh, with Allison Moore, my two oldest, mm-hmm. um, and we just read the chapter last night about. Uh, whatever in the house of Tom Bombadil, maybe yeah. I think the chapter is called. And so as I was thinking about that and thinking about this, Willy Wonka and Tom Bombadil definitely share some, <laughs> some similar traits. <laughs> Tom oh. Bombadil is kind of scary too, in a way, right? That's like there's true. something to this Catholic sensibility of portraying these characters that are really good. And in some ways seem to be larger than life and, and, in, in some ways, they seem Willy Wonka almost seems to be portrayed as kind of immortal or above humanity. You know, yeah. something more powerful, more amazing. And Tom Bombadil seems to like hypnotize the hobbits mm-hmm. and and put thoughts into their heads and tell them these stories, and they spend days there without knowing it. And he's good, but there's something. 
goodness in the way that humans or hobbits think about just sitting around and and you know drinking coffee by the fire the goodness of characters like Willy Wonka or Tom Bombadil is a little bit stranger and scarier than human sort of wholesome goodness yeah that's definitely what it was making me think of because it was making me think of that and it was also if you remember the way that in the third the third space trilogy book the way Mm -hmm. that merlin is described Mm -hmm. as this sort of right he's he's good but he's he's a pagan good that's mixed with this yeah. sort of it's not dark magic but it's also not light magic either and it's can go kind of either way and he's a good character but he's dangerous and you can't you're never really sure if you could trust him or where he's from or what he's what his motivations are and yeah i, I mean the the merlin character is the most tolkien-esque character lewis writes i think right because yeah. he's more more known for the kind of Maybe you know one to one sort of allegorical, like you know Chronicles of Narnia kind of figure. But yeah, the Merlin character is definitely the yeah. most Tolkieny character, where it's much more yeah. nuanced. Yeah, yeah, it, and it reminds me even a little bit of the Green Knight in Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, hmm. um, and the Green Knight. Interesting. Uh, that was. Uh, I think from what I understand, I'm not some, you know, major Tolkien guy or Tolkien scholar or something, but from what I have read, Tolkien himself loved that story. I think he had his own translation version of uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And the Green Knight is kind of a similar character, right? To to Merlin and, and in a way maybe to Willy Wonka here where he's probably good but it's not entirely clear and um they might represent not so much the goodness of god but the goodness of creation or something but creation in a yet a not yet redeemed or a not um elevated up to the heights of the divine and that is in some ways comforting to humans but in some ways is very strange and wild yeah. Um, and, and that character, I think, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up, that there seem to be elements of that character, Merlin, the Green Knight, uh, Tom Bombadil, there seem to be elements of that in Willy Wonka. You would put him in the same like genus of characters or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I like the word wild for that. I think that's a really good yeah. adjective. I like that because it, yeah, it definitely yeah. gets that sense of the natural sort of grandeur that could also kill you if you're not careful, right? I mean, yeah, not, not yeah. many things are more beautiful than, you know, a thunderstorm out on the Great Plains at night or something. And yet, I mean, mm-hmm. not not much is probably more dangerous either. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I'm not supposed to understand the tunnel, but it sort of lends itself to that <laughs> characterization. That makes sense. I mean, I don't like bugs, yeah. right? The millipedes <laughs> crawling all over yeah. the face, and and then Slugworth just appears out of nowhere with this giant scarred face, and yeah, 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 yep. And I one expected of the someone other... to jump into the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the other things they see, I think, which is so funny that they show this, but it's a chicken getting its head chopped off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only like a split second. <laughs> I don't think I noticed it till I was an adult, you know, like you don't really know what you're looking at. But if you look closely, there's a chicken getting its head chopped off. Oh my gosh. Yeah, see that's that's that scene is what 
what put it in the same category as as things like, you know, Return to Oz with its yeah. well, Dorothy needs electroshock therapy scene, right? And just like, wait, what? What's happening? This should not be in a kids movie. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think most recently that scene. I think I think my my five year old Rafka. I think she found it very disconcerting. But the older mm-hmm. two are like, that's cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the impression I remember having when I was a kid. Just like, whoa, this scene is so cool. That's crazy. <laughs> He's singing that creepy song, you know. Um, oh, man. Yeah. That even just... mentions like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's probably the most iconic scene for me. Like, that's what I think of when I think of Willy Wonka. Right, I think that's yeah. the best scene, even though it's so funny? bizarre. But it's it's Wilder's yeah. performance where he just—I can't imagine like yeah. being in front of him doing that. I think I would, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably have to change afterwards. Yeah, I can't <laughs> right. imagine that. I can't imagine it that is, being a pleasant experience. Yeah, that 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 almost seems to justify the existence of that scene itself. Just that uh-huh. I think you're right. I think when most people think of this movie, that's the first scene that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, the song, but the yeah, golden ticket song, and this. Yeah, you're up. Yep, that's right. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, Gene Wilder nails it. Right, I think this is just one of the best. I I think it's a it's an iconic acting performance. He he just nails it, and you can't imagine anyone else playing the character. We mm-hmm. won't mention the fact that you know there was a, a remake or whatever. Um, not worth mentioning. <laughs> right. Um, but Gene uh-huh. Wilder just absolutely nails it. He's he is Willy Wonka. You can't you can't think of Willy Wonka and not think of Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Oh yeah, I agree. I don't because I've seen the other one, but it's it's like a different mm-hmm. story. It's just not it's not the yeah. same. Yeah, which is surprising yeah. in one way because Depp seems to do really well playing that kind of character most of the time. Where this sort of yeah. like deranged loner, right? But yeah. it was, yeah, that was not good. Um, yeah, I think it lacks the, it lacks the, it's like that, that movie and Johnny Depp veer too much into the uncanny, eerie direction. Even though there's no scene like that boat scene, uh-huh. there's something about Gene Wilde that he could always rein it back in and really like, he he scares you in one scene and then in the next scene you you want to give him a hug yeah. and he pull he pulls both of those two things off and Johnny Depp I just yeah he can't yeah he just seems creepy like I want to get away from that guy he scares uh-huh. me I feel like that's probably a Tim Burton problem I like most of Burton's yeah, stuff yeah, but I yeah. think I think in that Burton just he leans a bit too much into his bag and it just becomes almost a caricature of his own stuff. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Because there's a lot of Burton stuff I think both you and I really enjoy, but not that one. Right, right. Not that one. No, not that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? I mean, Wonka says some really great stuff. We talked about how he's quoting Shakespeare all over the place. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, d- I don't think I could name just one. I mean, if I had to name one, I'd probably say the so shines a good deed in a weary world. But yeah. that's not even that's just pilfered from Shakespeare. So that's not, <laughs> you know, it's not fair. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I do like when he looks over um, 
at who is it? I think it's Veruca Salt's dad, and she said he says, you know, butter scotch, butter ripple. What do you got going on in here, Wonka? And he says, candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. I don't know. That's always <laughs> that's, that's a, one of my favorites. That's a great one. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. He has a lot of sort of iconic lines, and most of them are pro- are just sort of taken out of classical literature. Um, yeah. So I can't I can't think of any that we didn't mention already. I do just like I said the. The one where Mike TV is basically where it's like, yeah, what do you think life's all about? You know, and there's also there's also another another one that sticks out in my mind that I thought was really funny in the moment um, is during the first half where they're doing the the sort of global news event, and one mm-hmm. of the newscasters he's like, you know, we we have to remember you know, there's there's many more important things in life that are happening right now, many more. Offhand, I can't think of what they are. <laughs> and he sort of trails off yeah. and then the scene cuts right it's just so funny that you just could be, like i could just imagine this happening now i don't i don't know because you know in whatever late 60s early 70s whenever they make this movie i don't i don't imagine that the news was i mean obviously the news wasn't the way that it is now but nowadays with the sort of 24 7 news thing yeah. i can just imagine it now actually happening right i can't imagine in the 70s them spending months just on (laughs) on the chocolate thing but i could definitely imagine that happening now oh yeah now for sure yeah who who cares about all of this other stuff right i mean (laughs) you know rocketing inflation war in ukraine doesn't matter Wonka's got the chocolate contest, right? Yeah, there's a a capitalist contest. We've got a, you know, yeah, yeah. I do, I do remember. There's a another quote that I love that I'm pretty pretty sure is original to the movie. It's just such a stupid, such a stupid quote. I love like saying it to my kids. But he says at one point, I don't know if it's before they're going to get in the boat or what it is, but. He says, if the good Lord had intended us to walk, he wouldn't have, wouldn't have invented roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that's, that's really funny. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you want to bring up? No, I don't think so. I think I got everything out of my system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. I think we analyzed it. <laughs> we analyzed it to death well yeah so i i like this movie a lot and it's it's hard to find stuff that you can sort of recommend unequivocally or just feel like oh yeah i don't have to you know i don't have to even think about recommending this or letting any of my kids watch it i mean as long as they're old enough to handle the the tunnel scene then just have a have at it (laughs) yeah yeah there's not too many movies that i'll watch with the kids that I don't get sick of after watching, you know, kids want to watch the same movie over and over and over again. Uh And I usually get sick of, you know, watching the same thing more than once or more than twice. But this is one of the few movies that anytime the kids want to watch it, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's watch Willy Wonka. I'm excited to rewatch it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's it for the pod. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoy the episode, we'd appreciate it if you'd rate and review us wherever you're listening. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.